you sick and tired of the financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal Fitness and Freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion-dollar mortgage company. So here's your host, Scott Smith. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. I am Laura Lewis. I'm here with Scott Smith. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hey, Laura. Doing good today. Awesome. I recently saw an article about how companies are now more and more hiring for skills and not degrees and made me wonder what that's going to do to the price of college tuition. Yes. In other words, the idea is if the demand for college is dropping, will they reduce their tuition? Yeah. Actually, you're hitting on one of my favorite subjects, and certainly it's one of my wife's favorite subjects. She works in the field of education, and she's right now doing a major project for the state of Colorado in looking at all the future needs they have with, say, the infrastructure money, which jobs there are coming down where there are not enough people, and how do they hire for them? And they are concluding they need to be hiring based on skills, not degrees. And so a larger and larger percentage of jobs are not requiring a college degree, but they are requiring a certain Um, skill sets. And that's where the whole concept of certifications is coming about. And within colleges, a lot the colleges are realizing there's customer demand for certifications. So they don't, you're not going to go to their college for four years, but you'll go for six months or maybe 12 months if you can be certified in JavaScript or you certified in, you know, any number of technologies or especially the medical fields, you know, There's a lot of technical jobs in the medical fields where you can get a certification in a year. And for example, in Colorado, that's one of the things they saw in these studies that Sherry's been involved in is there are certifications for the medical employees that they see that they're lacking now and be lacking a lot more. And the state of Colorado will actually just pay your education for that. So if you want to go into one of those fields and you happen to live out there, you don't have to pay your education anymore because the need for that job is so great that's that's just like the beginning of what's going to be coming down down the pike on top of that i i'm talking to a lot of employers you know like the fortune 500 they will find you know like a, a common beef among hiring you know hr departments is that even though somebody has a particular degree you know they have to be totally retrained in that area once they start, and I'll, I'll pick on Intel on this one. I, they, someone in Intel I placed told me, doesn't matter which of these schools, you know, like Caltech, MIT, they went to for engineering, you know, darn if we don't spend the first two years teaching them engineering here at Intel <laughs> our way. <laughs> might as well not have even gone to that school and let us start fresh. That was a comment an Intel executive made to me. And that's, he's not, that's not the only company where I've heard things like that. You just get somebody with the right raw material and let us train them here. And so the concept of apprenticeships within corporations, I think, will grow. And again, it's testing for the raw skills right there, not even the certified skills. 
and training people on on the site. If you look through the history of mankind, apprenticeship was how it was done. And the whole concept of colleges did not come about to prepare people for colleges. It was academia was a site that was its own vocation, you know. And so right. we, you know, there isn't this one formula that college prepares people for life. That's like getting further and further away. So I think it will force colleges to bring their costs down. And again, if we go to the Financial Freedom Act, when I talk about free college, which could be paid for through a payment tax, it's not that it really be being free college, it's free post-secondary school education, which might be a one-year certification to get into a particular technical or medical type of a profession. I think the wave of the future is a lot of certifications at many times in your life. You go certified in this thing, and then within five years down the road, that skill may be obsolete, and you go get certified in this thing. And the certifications and on-the-job training apprenticeships, best way to ensure a fit between education and vocation. And we need more of that. And we really need to be starting that in high school. And there are right. high schools. There's a high school out in Missouri in which the kids spend half the day apprenticing and working for companies in the community and half the day in the classroom. Oh, wow. And what they find is many of those kids don't ever need to go to college. When they get out of that high school, they've got the skill sets the employers want better than a college grad coming into that um, that employer. So yeah, we should we should be making these changes early on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think just on that same thread of how quickly evolving the technology is and all of that, I'm wondering with AI now making such an mm -hmm. entrance and changing things so quickly. Do you think that that's going to impact the availability of jobs? And do you think that's going to reduce jobs? It's going to change jobs a lot. I think it will create an awful lot of jobs because you can hire people to do things with AI that they couldn't have done on their own. So it will create jobs. It may replace certain jobs, but it will also allow you to be more productive in particular jobs too. So my experience and employees in companies I'm involved in, employees in Sherry's companies, they're all much more productive because of chat DTP right now. I'm more productive. She's My wife is more productive. Her employees are more productive. Not every one of the employees is more productive because of chat GTP, but about two thirds of them are. So chat GTP is allowing a lot of people to do their jobs better so don't think it's like, oh my God, here comes AI, we all lose our jobs. You know, I mean, we should be so lucky if we could all lose our jobs to AI, then that means no one has to work and we can still get our revenue. Right? You <laughs> right. know, isn't that the way that where man would like it to be? You know, we don't have to work at all and and we have the lifestyle we want, and AI does it all for us. Um, <laughs> but I I think there's an incredible, incredible amount of hype around AI. I think it will die out and I think it'll come back again with new levels of AI and, you know, what today we might be calling AI tomorrow, we might be calling passe, you know, it's just like, is it AI when you go to an ATM and it knows how much money's in your account? No, we don't think of that as AI. And, you know, like AI is trained to do things. 
you know, there's a lot of stuff I do where AI doesn't help at all in writing and drafting things, you know, like explaining how certain patent claims apply to certain things they're doing in private equity. That's something I've been working on for, for personal reasons, for some business things I'm involved in. And, you know, as a lark, I thought, let's see how chat GTP does on this. Nothing to offer. Nothing. It can't, it can't think through something like that at all. You know, you know, I see where people are like, blown away that chat GTP got a really high score on um, a, a particular biology exam or, you know, stand, standardized tests. It's like, um, if chat GTP doesn't score 100% in any of those things each and every time, it's because you didn't train chat GTP properly because there's no reason it shouldn't get a hundred score on that every single time. And that's, in my mind, that's not even artificial intelligence. That's just computer processing. So like everything, I have a different view on stuff that most people do, I guess. (laughs) So then where do you think future jobs will be? Oh, where will the future of work go? Yeah, there is a lot of attention being spent on that by both corporate America and and the government trying to figure out, will, will people have jobs and income? I think that the thing that we overlook in that is there are a lot of future jobs that are coming up that have come up since in the last decades that don't do society any good, but make the person doing the job a lot of money. So like in my book, like you and I were talking about this, the friend of mine who used to run a chicken farm, Mm -hmm. he raised, you know, he produced eggs for a whole chain of grocery stores. And then he found that he made more money trading commodities in, with respect initially to chicken, chicken feed and then to all the commodities. And so he sold his chicken farm. Now he makes way more money than he used to, but he's <laughs> trading commodities, but he's not producing a good or service that's used in society. Right. And I've seen lots of jobs coming up in those areas. That's where you make money, but you're not actually doing any good for society so in the future of work one of the things i think we would do well to look at is not just that people are gainfully employed but that how people make their money raises the standard of living of the rest of people and so that if there's a downside to pure capitalism it's that in today's more modern society somebody making a profit does not mean that they've actually contributed to society. I, I'd say before the 70s, if a company makes a profit or an individual made a profit, you could probably take for granted that it's because they were creating a, a product or a service that benefited others. And so this whole idea of, hey, if you're making money in a capitalistic society, you're doing good for society is, does not hold true 50 years later in the 2020s, in which there are plenty of ways to make profits and you don't contribute to anyone's standard of living. And so I'll leave us on this note. In the two years during the pandemic, tens of millions of Americans lost their jobs, were sent home, and the monetary economy skyrocketed. In those two years, the five or 10 wealthiest people out there doubled their income and doubled their net worth. Now, mind you, they had probably 50 years to build that first net worth they were going to double in the next two years. And we minted, and this is globally, not in the U.S., a new billionaire every 26 hours 
And wow. I mean, I did not get an exhaustive list of all the billionaires minted in those two years, but <laughs> the ones that I found, none of them made their money producing goods or services that benefited. They didn't increase anyone's standard of living. They made their money wow. in the monetary economy in the area of financial assets. And so when we shouldn't be so worried about the future of work as much as we should be worried about if the future of work actually helps society. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just because people make money doesn't mean they contribute. So I'll actually, I'll leave us on one other note. <laughs> Let's take that same thing one step further. This is actually a conversation I had uh, um, with with some strangers in a store. We were, we were just chatting as I'm going out. And, and, and the one guy said, you know, the problem out there is all these, all these people not working and we're having to pay for them because that's where our economic problems are. And I said, oh, you mean like the bums on the side of the street, they're not working? He goes, yeah, exactly. And I said, <laughs> how much do you think that guy actually consumes in terms of our GDP per day? And he goes, 20 bucks. And I said, yeah. And he produces nothing, but he pulls out 20 bucks worth. And he goes, yeah. And I said, what about the guy on Wall Street who's trading derivatives? And how much is he contributing in goods and services? And he said, nothing. <laughs> I said, you got it. I said, how much do you think he's pulling out of GDP? He goes, ooh, you got a point there. And everyone else started joining. I said, yeah, he's pulling out a million dollars worth of goods and services, but contributing nothing. And he goes, there's where the problem is. <laughs> it, was, it was comical. It was fun, though. I mean, it was interesting, right? It's an eye-opener. And that right. is, that's the point. That's, that's the issue is it is the largesse of people who are generating a lot of wealth, but not generating goods and services. Interesting. So yeah. what career advice do you have for young people? Oh, career advice in light of that? Yeah. Well, you want to make a lot of money, go do something that doesn't do any good for society and just, you know, knock down the bucks. <laughs> How do you blame somebody for doing that, right? But right. I don't think there's any formulas, especially here's the challenge. We're all so unique, you know, like what our, what our passions are, what our skills, what we bring to the table. We're all so unique. We don't really fit, you know, in a particular peg, in a particular hole. And so what's good advice for one person is awful advice for someone else, you know, and it changes so fast. There's probably not even training for, you know, 90% of the job, new jobs that'll be out there in five years. There's probably no major in college you take for that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, so how do you train for that? I think general principles apply. Like one is step back, rethink your life a lot. Step back and take stock in what you're doing. Look at, are you happy with that? I mean, do you feel it's self-fulfilling and where where will it get you five years from now you know and is is that making sense to you so step back and assess yourself you know and i think the number one problem is all of us certainly me included we're ignorant of what jobs exist out there we don't know you know you can't sit down and name one percent of the jobs that exist there's just no way and i think that there's a lot of hidden gemstones i was talking to a guy who had a problem with our propane tank. 
we're lucky it didn't blow up. Anyway, came in on an emergency. He he repaired it, and he was chatting with me. And, he, and I asked him how he liked his job, and he said, "Oh, I love it." He said he made eighty thousand dollars in the month of June. I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, I travel." He says, "I understand everything there is about propane and fixing these things." And he said, "I went out to California, and they had this huge snow, you know." snow banks out there in certain communities around Tahoe, I think. And propane tanks were, you know, being crushed under the, they, there was an emergency. And so in that one month, he made 80,000. He says, when a hurricane hits or an earthquake occurs, he goes all around the country and he wow. does those types of repairs and he's cleaning up. Now, I didn't know that was possible, you know, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. There's so many things like that. Same thing for people who linemen, you know, for power lines who travel. Like when the hurricane hit one of the, the hurricane that came through Naples last year in Florida, they had 30,000 linemen standing by in South Florida to get wow. in there so that electricity could be restored, you know, within a certain amount of time to most people. And you can make a ton of money if you learn that skill and you're willing to travel, you know, now if you have right. kids and, you know, so, and there are a lot of jobs out there like that. And I don't, I mean, I just know of a few and I'm amazed. It's the tip of the iceberg and there's no, there's no general resource you can go to. No one you can ask, you know, that's just going to open the doors to him. You just got to get online and start looking. And how do you connect up with that? It's maybe easier today and the with the internet than it was in the past, but it's still not easy. Yeah, that's something that's really lacking is some sort of directory. I and mean, how do you get there? <laughs> what is there out there and how do you get there? That's the nut you're trying to crack and figuring out what you're going to do in the future. That's my advice. You never thought more of a commentary <laughs> than advice. I don't have a lot of advice in that area. Well, thank well, you. Okay. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. We'll see. Thanks, you everyone. Next episode. So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value. Grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to FiscalFitnessAndFreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's Blueprint, to discovering your own unique formula to personal success and join us on the next episode.